Hi everyone, welcome back to Logical Bible Study. The goal of this podcast is to help you understand the scriptures better, and in particular, the gospel reading from today's Mass. We want to help you understand what the words really mean before you go to Mass, ideally, so that you can have a really good foundation in the literal sense of scripture. And so when you go to Mass and you hear a homily, which is probably more going to be based on the spiritual sense of scripture, you have that literal sense of scripture to draw on as the foundation. And so we do a verse by verse Catholic academic exegesis of the gospel reading of the day. And today we're going to look at Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 17. One Sabbath day, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who for 18 years had been possessed by a spirit that left her enfeebled. She was bent double and quite unable to stand upright. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are rid of your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And at once she straightened up and she glorified God. But the synagogue official was indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he addressed the people present. There are six days, he said, when work is to be done. Come and be healed on one of those days and not on the Sabbath. But the Lord answered him, Hypocrites! He said, Is there one of you who does not untie his ox or his donkey from the manger on the Sabbath and take it out for watering? And this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has held bound these eighteen years, was it not right to untie her bonds on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his adversaries were covered with confusion, and all the people were overjoyed at all the wonders he worked. So a really interesting text we're going to look at today, and let's start by thinking about the context. So Jesus, as he is in most of this middle section of Luke, he's on the way to Judea, he's on the road, and it's getting towards the last phase of his ministry. He's stopping along the way at various places, and the particular story we have today in Luke, it's only found in Luke's gospel. You won't find it in Matthew, Mark, or John. Now, Jesus has already done a similar healing to this. Already earlier in Luke, he's healed the man with the withered hand. That was in Luke chapter 6, and that's found in all three synoptic gospels. Now, this particular incident is different. It's not the man with the withered hand who's being healed on the Sabbath. We're going to see here a woman who's healed on the Sabbath, and this is only found in Luke. So, it might be a story that you may not have heard before. So, we start at verse 10. It says, One Sabbath day. So this would be Saturday in that culture. All Jews had to attend the synagogue on the Sabbath. Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. So he's on the road to Judea here. So he's probably teaching in a local synagogue between Galilee and Jerusalem. So Jesus would be a traveling preacher. And every now and then synagogues, if there was a famous preacher in town, they would invite the preacher to preach at their Sabbath synagogue service. And that's probably what's happened here. Verse 11, a woman who was there for 18 years had been possessed by a spirit that left her enfeebled. Well, literally what it says there is a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. So a woman is there in the synagogue that day who has been possessed by a demon of some sort for 18 years, which causes her to have trouble standing up straight. Often we don't like to think about demons having this power, but certainly in the New Testament, there are many demons who have the ability to uh, affect people's bodies and cause diseases. 
So we have here a woman who is has been bent over for 18 years as a result of a demon. So there's echoes here of a different woman earlier. Remember the issue of the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years? That was in chapter 8. And now we have another woman who's been affected by a demon for 18 years. Now, if that number 18 sounds familiar to you from previous episodes, it should. So the episode just before this in the weekday cycle, when we looked at the start of Luke chapter 13, there's another mention of 18 there. And some scholars think there's, when we, when Luke here mentions this woman who's been affected for 18 years, he's doing that deliberately to link to the previous passage about 18. So earlier in Luke 13, Jesus talked about a tower who fell on 18 people. And now we have a woman who's been affected for 18 years. So maybe there's a link there, uh, but it's not entirely clear what that link might be. It could just be a coincidence that 18 is mentioned twice within the span of about 10 verses. So she was bent double and quite unable to stand upright. So maybe this demon is inhabiting her back, but it's not entirely clear. Verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he called her over. So the woman's in the synagogue and Jesus is in the synagogue. Notice Jesus takes the initiative here. He calls the woman over, which is interesting because he often does this on the Sabbath. He's the one that sort of takes the initiative to do these healings on the Sabbath. And there might be reasons for that. And he says to her, woman. Now, some people have taken that to be quite insulting for Jesus to call a female woman. In that culture, that was not an insult. It's actually the equivalent of what we today would say as madam. So it's quite a polite form of address. So woman, you are rid of your infirmity. And he laid hands on her. So Jesus lays hands on her as he does in many other places. And there's immediate healing. She stands upright. The verb here in Greek is passive. So it implies that God is the one who has acted to heal her. She's been healed by God. At once she straightened up and she glorified God. Or you can say she praised God. So this woman who's been affected for 18 years, which is a long time, she recognizes this is the work of God, that she's been healed, and she praises God. Now we get to verse 14, the synagogue official, or we can translate that the ruler of the synagogue. So he enters the picture. Who is a synagogue official or ruler of a synagogue? Apparently this was a man in that culture who is chosen by the local elders to care for the physical arrangement of the local synagogue and its arrangement for worship services. So they were in charge of, they weren't like the Pharisees who had teaching authority, but they were in charge of the synagogue itself. So they made sure everything was set up well for worship. And they probably sort of were the the MC, if you like, for worship services at synagogues. Today, the, the Jews of today still have this role, though it's sometimes called the president of the synagogue. So he stands up and he's indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. Now, the Old Testament is clear that no work is to be done on the Sabbath. That's very clear from the Ten Commandments. But what's not specified in the Old Testament is what exactly counts as work. The Pharisees in Jesus' day had come up with a complex system of classifying what did count as work and what didn't. And in their mind, healing counted as work. Notice that the the synagogue president, the ruler of the synagogue, he doesn't question or deny whether a healing has happened. He basically admits that this woman has been healed. So he's not denying that, but he, he takes issue with the fact that she's been healed. And he addressed the people present. So this ruler of the synagogue uses this opportunity to speak to the crowd in the synagogue and to remind them of the rules about the Sabbath and the Jewish teaching about that. Probably he's trying to discredit Jesus here, or maybe he's worried that the people might be misled by Jesus. 
Now, Jesus has already had a confrontation with the Jewish leaders in a synagogue about the Sabbath. That's already happened earlier in Luke. So earlier in his ministry, while he was in Galilee, he's already had conflicts in synagogues about the role of healing on the Sabbath, particularly the story with the man with the withered hand. You probably remember that one. But those earlier stories happen in Galilee. Now Jesus is on the road to Judea. He's in a very different part of Israel. So the people here who are present on this occasion, they probably don't know what Jesus' teaching is on the matter because they're not from Galilee. They didn't see him or hear about his teaching about the Sabbath because they don't live in Galilee. So Jesus is going to revisit with the Judeans here what he's already taught the Galileans about the Sabbath. But first, the synagogue leader says, he speaks to the crowd, there are six days when work is to be done. So that will be every day except the Sabbath. And the foundation of this is Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. He says to them, come and be healed on one of those days and not on the Sabbath. So the synagogue leader is basically reprimanding the woman and probably the crowd by extension for seeking healing on a Sabbath day. He's saying you should not do that. Now, this man thinks God is on his side here. He's not recognizing that God has been the one who's just done the healing. Now, this might sound ridiculous to us, the fact that this man has just seen a healing, but he gets up and takes issue with it. That seems ridiculous to us. But remember, the Jews in Jesus' time believed that God punished people severely if they don't keep the Sabbath. There's several places in the Old Testament where God specifically punishes Israel because they're not keeping the Sabbath. So by the time of Jesus... They have, the Jews have become very protective of the Sabbath. They basically saw breaking the Sabbath law as the equivalent of burning the national flag. You should not do that. So in a sense, they are right to be afraid of violating the Sabbath. But what they don't realize is that God is there present in the person of Jesus. And he's about to give the definitive interpretation of the Sabbath. Now, Jesus stands up and says to the man, hypocrites. Now, that word there means stage actors. So, a hypocrite was one who claims to be something but does something else in his actions. And we still have that same word today. So, it's someone who says one thing, but their actions betray them. In this case, Jesus means hypocrite in the sense that the Jewish leaders claim to follow God's Sabbath, but they actually break several of its laws when it's convenient. They actually break the Sabbath pretty regularly. And he's going to give some examples of that. He says, is there... One of you who does not untie his ox or his donkey from the manger on the Sabbath and take it out for watering. So many in that culture owned oxes and other animals, and it was pretty much on most days they would go and give water to their animals by taking them away from the manger, which is like the place they're kept, and leading them to water, which would probably be outside. Now, that's actually forbidden by the Sabbath laws in Deuteronomy 5 verse 14, God makes it pretty clear that you're not supposed to do any kind of work involving animals, and that would include taking them to water. So the fact that they are doing that in Jesus' time is an example that they really don't follow all the Sabbath laws, just they pick and choose them. Now, Jesus' focus here is going to be on this phrase, untying. Who here does not untie his ox or his donkey? Literally, what that means in the Greek is setting free. Who on the Sabbath does not set free his ox or his donkey? And of course, the Jews would do that on the Sabbath so that the animals could go and get water. So Jesus here is going to focus on the untying part of that phrase. So he now says in verse 16, And this woman, a daughter of Abraham, so he's gesturing to the woman he's just healed, 
He calls her a daughter of Abraham. So he's saying that this is a Jewish woman who is in covenant relationship with God. And that means he, she ought to be cared for by the Jewish leaders. She has a right to worship God and Jesus wants her to be able to do just that. He says, this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound these 18 years. So notice that Jesus himself affirms that Satan can be responsible for physical conditions. He says that Satan has bound this woman. And notice that Jesus knows how long she's been ill for, 18 years. Apparently the woman didn't tell her that, tell him that. She, he just knows that she's been affected for 18 years. So he says to the Jewish crowds here, was it not right to untie her bonds on the Sabbath day? Now, the Greek word here for was it not right, it's actually ought, ought not this have been done. So it's kind of like this divine imperative. It must be done. This is God's will. It must happen. Notice Jesus here does not address the healing law specifically. He doesn't enter into a debate about what counts as healing, what counts as work. He doesn't go down that track. And that might be because Jesus knows that the Pharisees at that time had genuine teaching authority. And so Jesus largely respects that and he doesn't enter into debates about whether specific laws should have been made and that kind of thing. He respects their authority. So instead, what he does in these discussions is he directs the Jews back to more fundamental principles that they have forgotten about. In this case, Jesus is going to point this out. He's going to say the Jewish law technically forbids taking your animal for water on the Sabbath, but they do it. So Jesus says that logically, if it's okay to take your animal and untie it, then it should be okay to untie a person's bonds on the Sabbath, since humans are worth more than animals, and the Sabbath is supposed to be all about restoration for humans. That's his point. Since this woman has been tied up by Satan, it does not violate the Sabbath to untie her bonds. So Jesus is making an argument from the lesser to the greater, and he often does that kind of thing. The implication is, he doesn't say this explicitly, but it might be implied that all healing of humans on the Sabbath is acceptable, and whenever a human is healed on the Sabbath, it does not violate the Sabbath. That's implied. Now, Jesus makes a different line of argument in the earlier incident with a man with a withered hand. He doesn't talk about it in terms of untying. In Luke chapter 6, when the man with the withered hand is healed on the Sabbath, there he asks the Jewish leaders, is it against the law on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And he also says in that incident, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus comes to the same basic conclusion here, but he uses a different line of reasoning. So once again here, we see Jesus giving the Sabbath its authoritative interpretation. He is the Lord of the Sabbath, and that's what he calls himself in chapter 6, verse 5. So it's another example of Jesus reminding the Jews that the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And he talks about it in terms of untying bonds here. It seems that Jesus actually sees the Sabbath as the most suitable day to relieve the oppressed of their physical burdens, because he seems to take the initiative in all of these Sabbath healings. And we know that Jesus has come to bring liberty to the oppressed. That's what he said in his inaugural sermon at Nazareth earlier in Luke. And the Sabbath is the weekly jubilee day of rest. It's supposed to be a day of rest. That's what God gave it for. In fact, the Sabbath was instituted by God as the to model the final rest in heaven, when there will be no more suffering. So it seems appropriate that suffering could be eliminated as far as possible on the Sabbath. Some scholars think there's possibly also a connection here to this idea of a new exodus. So the Sabbath, the original Sabbath, was given after the first exodus. So Deuteronomy verse 
chapter 5, verse 15 talks about the connection between the Sabbath and the Exodus. The whole point of the Exodus was so that God's people, the Jews, can rest and worship him in a new land. So the healing of the crippled woman here on the Sabbath might signal Jesus' mission to lead new Israel in a new exodus from bondage, but not bondage of Pharaoh this time, bondage of Satan, and he's leading people out of that so that his people can worship him forever in heaven. Jesus has truly come to bring liberty to the captives, and we know that from his speech in Luke chapter 4, and this is an example of that. He's come to bring jubilee rest physically. Verse 17, when he said this, all his adversaries, notice it says all his adversaries, apparently there's several of them here in the room listening to him, they were covered with confusion, or more literally, they're put to shame. So Jesus has shown here by his words that the Jewish leaders do not rightly understand God's law, and that's quite shameful for them. They're supposed to be in charge of God's law and teaching it to the people, but Jesus has shown that really they're not following it and understanding it. This phrase, his adversaries were put to shame, that might allude to Isaiah 45 verse 16, which says, All who oppose him shall be ashamed and disgraced. And in context of Isaiah, that's about God, the Savior of Israel. Now, if that's supposed to be an implied connection there, and that would certainly fit with the way Luke does things, Luke is subtly implying that Jesus is God by sort of um, highlighting this phrase, which matches a phrase from the Old Testament, which is about God. And all the people were overjoyed at all the wonders he worked. You can translate that, all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. So the people in the synagogue on this day, imagine being there on this day, they believed that he was sent from God and they glorified God as a result. So they show the right response, the response that Jesus hopes they would show. Jesus has come to point people back to God and it's succeeded on this occasion. But of course, the Jewish leaders don't show the right response. They're just indignant and ashamed. Now, Jesus apparently has more to say in the synagogue. He hasn't finished speaking yet. So we're going to see what he has to say to the crowds in the synagogue uh, in tomorrow's episode in particular. Let's now turn to the catechism to see what it, uh, it says about this passage. So there's one key reference, which is in paragraph 582 about Jesus and the law. In presenting with divine authority the definitive interpretation of the law, Jesus found himself confronted by certain teachers of the law who did not accept his interpretation of the law, guaranteed though it was by the divine signs that accompanied it. This was the case especially with the Sabbath laws, for he recalls, often with rabbinical arguments, that the Sabbath rest is not violated by serving God and neighbour, which his own healings did. So there, this paragraph about Jesus' interpretation of the Sabbath, it mentions that Jesus uses rabbinical arguments, and that's pretty much what he does here by talking about the law and the way that they interpret the Sabbath law and the way they violate the Sabbath law. So that's quite a good paragraph in understanding the church's teaching and what Jesus had to say about the Sabbath law, and I'll include that paragraph in the show notes. Thanks once again for listening today. If you're helping, if you're benefiting from uh, this approach to scripture and it's helping you engage more deeply in the masses readings, I'd love to hear from you. Please send an email to logicalbiblestudy at gmail.com. Tell us what you like about the podcast. Send through any questions you have. And please continue to tell other people about the podcast so we can all grow in our knowledge and love of God.